figure out what's really important in this life. But the word of God teaches us, and we see on today what's really, really important is eternal life. I mean, honestly, really, truly, eternal life. It's extremely important. Well, you say, well, it's not really important right now because I'm not really planning on going anywhere no time soon. But one day we have to leave here. And when we leave here, we're going to spend eternity someplace else. And Jesus kind of rolls out to us what those someplace else is, where that is, one of those places will be. Matter of fact, we even talked about that about a rich young man who came to Jesus and asked him, he realized what was important. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus started giving him those commandments, keep, you know, you should take care of this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. He said, oh, I, I've done that since the boy. Jesus said, one thing you lack. There's one thing you lack. So all you have, give to the poor. Come follow me. You will have great riches in heaven. Now, he was the one asking about eternal life. And Jesus told him how you can have great, how you can have eternal life. And have great riches in eternal life. But the Bible says he went away sorrowful. He went away sad because he had a whole lot of stuff. Yes. Jesus did want to talk about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say impossible. He said how hard it is because he trusts in riches. How hard is it? He said it's so hard. It's harder for a camel. It's harder for a rich man than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, knowing that's the gate actually in Israel. So it was, it was difficult, but it was not impossible. So he tells us today about this eternal life. What must we do? And this passage nails it. I know I've preached it before, I've talked about it before, but this passage helps us. I want to do my best to be as clear as possible and be done. This passage really helps us. Because we try to see what is it that God tells us to do. Well, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all commandments? You know, if I had to narrow it down, I'm going to be the saying, listen, I've got a whole bunch of commandments. And then you have commandments in the commandments. And then you've got stuff to tell you how to do the commandments after you do the commandments. And then if you mess up on the commandments, then there's still stuff you got to do. There's riches and stuff. He said, Jesus, break it down for me. What's, what's the greatest commandment? He was standing there and he said, Boy, I sure hope you don't take it. I sure hope you don't say thou shalt not be in the dust, right? I sure hope, I sure hope you don't take thou shalt not. But 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 he, he said if you pick the greatest one, he's probably thinking that if I do that one, I'll be alright. But Jesus didn't go to the ten, he was just something much more. He says, the greatest commandment is the love the Lord your God with everything you have. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this passage brings it up to us again. About loving your neighbor as yourself, loving others as you love yourself. Because this passage helps us with it. Let me ask you a couple of questions. If you're talking to yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. If you are hungry, what would you want? Alright, just about everybody says please. If you are thirsty, what do you want? Don't tell me it's the kind. 
I'm going to suck in the drink. If you're homeless, if you don't have a place to stay, what do you want? Shelter. If you were sick, what would you want? Heal it, and what would you want others to do? Hey, please see about this? Something. If you were in prison, what would you want? Visit? Get out? Get a hookup? You do realize that what God requires is not hard for us to understand. Until again, what God requires of us is not hard for us to understand. He breaks it down into the kind of things you want. If your situation is that situation, what would you want? What would you want someone to do for you or with you or to help you with? Those same kind, not just this list. No, the list goes on about the various things that we need and the various things that we want. What do you want? And listen. You don't ever have to get frustrated or feel guilty if it's something that's needed and you cannot do it. Well, if you're guilty when there's something that is needed and we can do it, but we choose not to. Let me say another one. If we needed somebody right now to pay the organ, you can't pay the organ. No sense in you sitting there and, and, and getting anxiety and having a panic attack because you can't pay the organ. You just realize that Paul ain't going to pay the oil. God, God ain't giving that to you or whatever, so you don't have to sit there and feel so guilty because I can't play. He needs the organ play. I can't play it. Oh my goodness, what I'm going to do? <laughs> we need the organ play. play. If, if I had just, when I was younger, took some lessons, I could have played it. And, and if, if, all, if I could take a new baby in the day, I should have paid more attention. So I should have done it. No. You can't hear the organ, but to God be the glory. Almost like if you needed somebody to sing. And you know God didn't give you a sin. Don't feel guilty about not singing. Because we always say, praise the Lord. What I'm trying to say is, that that you have, that that God is asking you to do, He has placed that within you. That's why when sometimes we get so upset when folk ask us of money all the time and we're choosing because we have it to give, we choose not to do it. That's when the guilt goes in, when you know you can do it. I'm not talking about you giving your last dime and now you're more than not getting paid all the time. So no, no, you have to know that you can, in fact, give, but you said not to But listen, he's saying, if you didn't have it to give, there's nothing to feel guilty about. What, whatever you got, let me hear you tell me how you got it. You're on the church. At least, at, least, at least on Sunday, say, God did it. And you say, well, my job. What's my job? Well, if you didn't have blood running through your veins and a capability of breathing, you wouldn't be on that job. And believe me, they would replace you and move on with that job. So the point is, whatever we have, we have it, we're stewards of it for the glory of God. The debt that we have, the capability, the education, everything we have, we have it because God has given it to us. 
But we must keep in mind, God has given to us and equipped us with it for a reason. Treat for like you want to. Do you realize that's why the church exists? Because even on individual levels, there's something that we can't do individually, but there's some needs that need to be met individually, but we together as a church can meet those needs. I might can't really do it, but then if I get some more together and we under the unction of the, of the Holy Spirit and knowing that God loves, that we can do some things together that I can't do by myself. We can do some things together that you can't do by yourself. Amen. This is just something that's kind of on my heart lately that we, we were describing for excellence in kingdom building. Thinking about all of our ministries, our auxiliaries. Thinking about the needs that we have around this congregation and among various parts of our congregation. And we do need to be open and transparent about the things that we need so the needs can be addressed. Now I know you said there's certain people that we ought to do certain things and sort of stuff and all this, but listen, God has called all of us to work and all of us should be in ministry. All of us should be in ministry as, as the next thing God has to do. And God has gifted you for your particular ministry. You, you don't have to wait on the council and say, you are now ordained to do this ministry. God has already placed ministry within you to get it done. There's the needs that we have, and we're looking for you to fit those needs. Listen, all of our ministries that are delivered ought to be able to do what we're talking about in our mission. Seeking God, saving God, serving the world. It ought to be about doing those things, being of help to others. When all of these things came up, Jesus said, this is so important that we need to do this. And of course, if we can't do it individually, we need to do it as uh, a delivery of the church, or need to do it as a church. Because every need can be met. And then you know we go even farther with that? If there's a need that even the church can't meet as a church, that's why we have associations. And we are part of the real association where the churches come together as an association to take on even a greater need that possibly one congregation can't do. And look at that. If the association can't get it done, we even have a district convention. That the comprise of the association. And if the association and the district can't do it, we even have a state convention. Well, if one church can't do it, or an association of churches can't do it, then we take it to the churches throughout the state that are Baptists. And guess what? If it's so big that the churches in the state can't do it, we're part of the National Baptist Convention, USA Incorporated. And that's how all that's supposed to work. In order to do what God has said, we all do. And collectively, we begin to do some things that we can't do individually. But, keep in mind that we still, each individual, need to do our part. Because there's one day coming, you won't stand there with the congregation. One day coming, you won't stand there with the convention. All the association will be you and Jesus. What a wonderful day. Listen to the choices. Right or left? Heaven or hell? Eternal life or eternal death? Either we did do the stuff or we didn't do it. Kind of clear. We're all good enough to do this stuff. 
Some folks say, you know what, I'm, I'm not the pastor. I can't, you know, all that stuff in the Bible. I can't do that stuff. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not ordaining a deacon. I serve a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm not a missionary. I'm not a deaconess. I'm not a trustee. I'm not a worship. I'm not a choir member. I'm just a few members. Understand that God is not asking us to serve just on Sunday. He's calling us to be his church every day, all day. So, so let me tell you, your qualification is not that you've been so good and so holy. And if you look real close, we can see the halo over your head. And you take it off and sound up there once in a while and get it back up there. No, that's, that's not a requirement to do the stuff he's telling us to do. Listen, no PhD is required. Oh, I wish I had more education. Well, that's good. We all wish that too, but still. You can serve right now if God wants you to serve. You don't, don't need to be particularly good. You don't need a PhD. You don't need a particular amount. Your income. You say, if I made a little more, I would, I would do some more. If I, if I had more money, if I had a better job, if I, if I had more, more social security coming in, if I had, no, 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 that's not a requirement. That's not a requirement. Well, if I had more friends on Facebook and Instagram, if I had more people to tweet, I, I, that, was, that was really, I could really dance. I, I'm trying to get to a certain level before I said, no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not required. Well, Pastor, what's required? I'm glad you asked. Just Jesus. Now, I got this thing up right quick, and it said, just Jesus. Uh, just Jesus. Well, what do you mean by just Jesus? See, this text almost will make you think that we're a congregation that believe in salvation by works. That if you did certain works, then you'll be saved. But I want you to understand it's clear if you look at the, the Bible and go even to Ephesians and it talks about this. It talks about we're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, as anybody can boast. But verse 10, Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, in the coming of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we can't help but do the work God called us to do. Now, this is what God needs to go. If you, in your mind, in your mind, in your psyche, in all of you, say, ah, I feel like none of that stuff. I don't care about people like that. I don't want to help. I don't want to turn. I don't care if we get saved or not. Well, understand this. You can come to church and we can fellowship with you. We can shake your hand. We can make you feel like you saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But that day is coming when the king himself will separate the nations as a shepherd divides sheep from goat. And he'll let you know. That's why it takes some part. He said he separated them, left and right, and then he looked at them and said, I'm the kingdom prepared for you. What's inherited to you? I have this prepared for you. And why he's talking to you? Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was hungry, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sitting in the field, you visited me. And they were confused. They said, Lord, where did we get at? I don't remember 
see, you, of course, I would have served you. I would have fixed you some collard greens and we would have baked chicken instead of fried chicken because you want to stay where you want. We would have done all that stuff for you. We would have fixed that for you. Yeah, I see you, but I don't really remember doing that for you, Jesus. I, yeah, I would have been you and said, I don't remember you being sick. And to her, in as much as you've done it for the least of these, you've done it also unto me. Now come on and receive your glory. Come on and receive the inheritance. Come on and receive eternal life. Can you imagine how disappointed the other crowd was? When he said, depart from me. Whoa, Jesus, why? I had pretty good church attendance. I came most times. Now, why are you saying depart from me? I'm going to pass the phone number. I'm going to call for me. I ain't missed the communion in a while. He said, well, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was strange, you didn't bite me in. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick, or pretty you didn't visit me. Now, can you see that, bro? That group? Whoa, wait a minute. Time out, Jesus. Uh-uh, no. I ain't never seen you hungry. I ain't never seen you thirsty. Oh, I remember that. Oh, I've been waiting on you. I, I, I was ready. My kitchen was ready to fix you something. Oh, I, I never saw you like that. Oh, I never seen you, though. In as much as you did it not to the least of these, you did it not unto me. They will go away into eternal damage. Now, wait a minute. That's not how salvation all works. No? This is what I'm trying to say. When you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you then have a desire to do good works. This is one of the wake up messages for you. Because you say, you know what? I really don't feel like doing that kind of stuff. I don't really care about my neighbor. Or my neighbor's neighbor. Or you. <laughs> but see, ever since you're sitting here on Sunday morning, know that feeling that. And we give an invitation to the sacrament, you can come and know Jesus Christ in order to save you. Because that's all it takes is a relationship with him. And he begins to work on our mind, our heart, our soul. He creates in us a clean heart. He gives us that that we need. Have anybody heard someone say, he changed my hands so I can work right? Changed my feet so I can walk right? Changed my mind so I can think right? Changed my heart so I can love right? Oh, what a wonderful change in my life has been brought. Since Jesus came into my heart. Hallelujah. This is the tweetable part. You are just the right person to help another person. You are just the right person to help another person. We need each other. We don't just need others to help. But we need others who need help. Let me try to not confuse you. I don't just need you to help me, but I need somebody to help. Isn't it one how God played as well? That, that you can always find folk who have a need, but you will always have a need also. 
And he said to us, allow us to help each other. Hey, have you ever noticed sometime that, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dating myself because this is back, my grandma used to do this, but, but, but when families, you didn't have to lock the door and all that kind of stuff. And, and if one family needed some greens, somebody would go in the backyard and get greens for them, somebody else needed some corn, they could get, somebody needed some sugar, yeah. Or somebody needed some Kool-Aid or whatever. They went to the store, they went to the neighbor's house. And, and nobody was out of the same thing at the same time. What I'm trying to say is that, that, that all of us have particular needs at a particular time. We don't all need the same thing at the same time. God arranged it. So you arrange it with somebody in need, somebody is in bereavement and lost a loved one. And yet, you, you, you haven't lost a loved one lately, but now you can help the one who has. You know, somebody else is sick. The whole church ain't sick at the same time. Have you noticed the whole church ain't locked up in prison at the same time? It's never the whole of us needing everything, but God always gives us in a position where we can help somebody. Depending, and it doesn't depend upon how much money we make. Somebody just needs a smile, and you got a smile. Don't be stingy with your smile. Say it. Even if you don't have all your teeth. Then you don't have even more. We need each other. Because when we help each other, only what we do for Christ will last. I'm closing because this, this is the point. Listen. Can any of you ever imagine you could be in a position where God owes you? I know you might be a bad somebody, you know, and, and you think you got it like that, but can you even imagine that God would owe you? The one who had a calendar thousand years. The one who created everything said, let that be and it was. But there is a time when God points out that he owes. The Bible says, he that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And, and let me say to you, again, if you don't have it, you can't give it. But if you got it, wherever you got it from, the Lord can restore what you gave even more so than what you had. It's a matter of trusting him with all of our hearts and leaving not to our own understanding. What happens if we decide that all the needs we have around here that we're going to do our little part to help? What's going to happen if we do our best to develop a viable children's ministry? Again, right here first time. I'm not against a children's ministry like we've never had before. A youth ministry like we've never had before. A senior's ministry like we've never had before. 
And whatever ministry that we have, we do it because everybody will do their part to do what God has invested in them to get done. Yes, sir. Now, I hear you saying, Pastor, I don't know if I'm qualified to do it. You qualified. Or how you qualified? You're not qualified because of what you did. Yeah. Not qualified for what you learned. Not qualified for the way you did. You're qualified because there was one who loved us so much that he gave his all. You qualified because Jesus knew long before we were even born that we would be born in sin and sick in iniquity. Jesus knew that we would need somebody because we've sinned, because we've messed up. We need somebody to atone for all of our sins. See, we don't come saying that I'm better than you, or she's better than she is, and he's better. No, no, no. We come together as a body of baptized believers. Well, how do we get baptized? We got baptized because we believe in what God did. And God sent his son Jesus, who went to the cross for you and for me. He died for our sins, was buried in the tomb, and early on that third day, he got up from the grave with all power. And because Jesus rose from the grave, he's the one who qualified us to do all the work he's placed within us to do. We should be the servants of the true and living God. Is it important? Is it important? He said, in his own words, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brother, you did it for me. And the righteous will go into eternal life. God calls us out to do his work and to do his will, his way. You know what? I thank God for you. Every man's one. Because I've passed it long enough to see how each one of us reach out and help others in time of need. I've seen how we make sacrifices on behalf of others. I'm trying to get us to understand that as we do this and encourage even generations yet unborn to do the same thing, that we need to do it and do it at a higher level of working together in fellowship and loving one another. Let me tell you, when you start working together and loving one another, Satan is upset with that stuff. And all the little stuff that will get on your nerve and all this kind of stuff will become big stuff. And the stuff that's big will get big. But by the grace of God, you can say, you know what? I love the Lord and I ain't going to take it back. I know God loves me. I know God has forgiven me. And then he tells us how to get along with each other. He says, as God has forgiven us, we ought to forgive one another. Please tell me. <laughs> and as we so condition our hearts and our minds to forgive and to love each other, God will get the glory. I'm done. What, what would happen if the folk that don't know Jesus and they're looking for love, they're looking for joy, they're looking for a great time? What if they can see that in the people who love Jesus? And they can see our joke. Yeah, yeah. And now we hung up on every little thing. Oh, that makes me mad. Look at it. That's, ooh, look at it. That's terrible. Ooh, I don't like that. This ooh, I don't this stand that. <laughs> we start telling everybody what we don't like about our church. Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. 
And then he took my seat. Won't you come to my church? No. <laughs> but what is even genuinely? We can really love like God wants to love and care like He wants to care and forgive like He wants to forgive. And say, God, just have your way in us. Not about me, but it's about us working together that He can get glory. This whole community could be transformed. Pastor, why are you telling us this? Why are you taking time saying that we need to be that we need to transform others in our community? Why are you taking time for this? Why are you saying that we need this? Well, because I believe all of us will say there are so many people who are not saved. There's so many things happening in our community. We see it on the we see it on the on the television, the radio. Uh, we see it on online. So many things happen. But listen, we are not called to be a thermometer, but we just measure the temperature of what's happening in our community. The church is called to be a thermostat. You're going to regulate what happens in our community. You're going to go out and love like God wants to love, care like God wants to care, and we're going to make a difference because God has called us to make a difference. Everywhere we go. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Trust God today. Know that God will do it anyway through you. Don't let anybody talk you down from all you. Well, I know you. I know all about you. You can. Yes, you can. Because of who God is. Amen. And that God lives in you and loves you and cares for you. And on this day, we can all say together, we will do our part to love like God wants to love, to care like God wants to care, to give like God wants to give, to live like God wants to live. Y'all say, that's why you're so excited about he died. Well, because when we don't do what we're supposed to do, and we've done some stuff we should not have done, you can always remember that his blood atones for our sins. We have an advocate with the Father. Amen. Say to what you think that because you haven't done this and you haven't done that or you did do this and you did do that, he wants you to think that you need to clock out of church. You can't be a part of his and have a relationship with God. Nothing will be further from the truth. God loves you even more. And we need to love him back by loving each other. There may be those today in the stillness of this moment that are saying, you know, I need the Lord in my life. Now, now, listen, don't worry about what other people think or what other people say. Just concentrate on your relationship with God. We'll pray with those who want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We'll pray that you would accept him as your Lord, that he will come into your life, make that necessary transformation in you, that you would be everything God can have you be. There may be others who have already accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but do not have a church home. And would like to have a fellowship with the first half of the Baptist Church. We still need that invitation. So those of you who are watching through Facebook, we want to say to you that this prayer is a prayer you can pray also. That you can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right where you are because He's everywhere. And He loves you and He cares about you. I'm going to pray with those here on Facebook, but if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can repeat these words after me, and you can even walk down the aisles and we're praying together. It's not disrespectful if you walk all praying. We're going to pray for those on Facebook, and then if others want to come today and unite with us, we ask you to come on down with us as we pray. Those Facebook and those here, if you want to accept Christ, you can pray these words. If this is what you believe, Father, I have sinned. I am sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart 
that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Then today I'd like to come. Please get to a Bible.